Shall we? We're back. <laughs> We're back. It's been a whole fortnight, so let's do this. <laughs> All right. This is very true, and, and so, so in particular this week, because you know, still live music is much about the only thing that is live at the moment, really, isn't it? To be honest, and there's not much of that, so so we're focusing still on films, mostly, mostly yes. on films. So we're, we're going to two very, very different ends of the spectrum, I think. To be oh, honest, yeah. we've, we've we've got. I mean, Simon, you're saying an art house film, um, yeah, but certainly it's a very serious, very worthy film, absolutely, um, about the life and times of, of Marie Curie. Um, not entirely inappropriately named radioactive. Exactly. Yes. Yes. At the other end the of the spectrum, Oh, seriously, yes. Uh, we're also having a look at a very unsubtle, in-your-face comedy, uh, another one from Will Ferrell. It's presented in a new Netflix film called Eurovision. Or if you prefer, Eurovision Song Contest, colon, the, the story of Fire Saga. Fire Saga, yeah. Give it its full time. To give it, because it deserves it. <laughs> no, seriously, it right. does. Right, and, and so, yeah, like you said, live music not so much. So, no. much. so we're going to look at some, some recorded music, and and because you know we are we are hip, we are we are we are street, we are down with we the use it. We do, don't we? Poor. We're groovy, and so and so we'll look at the new Taylor Swift album. <laughs> Called folklore. It certainly is, and and recorded because apparently there's a pandemic going on. Did you know mm, that? Apparently so. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean we, we could be forgiven for having forgot this fact. Because you know, but we're switched on. And we know exactly. Uh, one other thing, talking about the the lockdowns that have been around, and it, it's meant oh, yeah. that perhaps not so much content is coming through as it no. once was the case. It might be that you've decided to have a look back through your library of material sitting there on Netflix or Neon or whatever it is, and try something that's been around for a while, and that's. What I've done in the last little while, I'm halfway through the third and final season of True Detective. Oh yeah. And I've got a thing or two to say about that a little bit later on. But let's start with some, some film. Right, well we're gonna start with, with radioactive, yeah? Yeah. Now this is this is not the video for the Imagine Dragons song of the same name. This is, as we said, it's the um it's the biography. Well not not entirely. It's it's the story of of Marie Curie. Yeah. As she be well, um, and her husband, husband Pierre. Well, she, he's he's an incidental, really. Ultimately, <laughs> it's the story of Maria Sklodowska. As, as she was, as she became Marie Curie, mm -hmm. um, and and now I watch this on a number of levels. Okay. On the one hand, as, as, as one of New Zealand's no, the world's leading film critics. Yes. And also the other one sitting next to me, obviously. <laughs> and, and also as a, a one-time physics teacher. Ah. Okay. So I, okay. So I, was, I was sort of watching it on both levels. All right. And I think you and I might have different of opinion because I know because um, I read because where else does one go for film reviews? Indeed. Your review on our website, yes. CravePodcast.com. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I read your review and you loved it, didn't you? I pretty yeah I did I mean, I, I did acknowledge it was slow um, yeah. moving uh, and at times it maybe it dragged a little bit but overall I did like it and I thought it was a very um, I mean this is a big subject about a, a woman's who was instrumental in really unlocking what radioactivity was all about absolutely yeah. and and thereby um, changing the course of modern history yeah. in a very very significant way so. Uh, 
but it was told within the context of what she did in her scientific discoveries, but also very much it's told in the context of the love story between her and Pierre. This is true. Um, and as I noted in that, um, in my review, Steve, the other thing that really struck me about this film, and that's why I used the word art house and in, in, in to describe it was, yeah. the director is a, a woman who, um, the director is Marianne Satrapi. She, as well as being a film director, is a graphic novelist, right. a writer and illustrator of graphic yeah. novels. The story she has put into film is it's also a graphic novel right. uh, by another woman called Lauren Redness, who wrote and illustrated a book called Radioactive right. Marie and Pierre Curie, A Tale of Love and Fallout. Right. So I think the treatment of the film, and having had a quick look at some of the illustrations from um, Laurie Red Lauren Redness's book, follows the book. Yeah. So it is a very... Um, beautiful film to look at. Oh, well constructed uh, visuals. Mm -hmm. the, the 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 sets are detailed to the nth degree. Yes. You really get a feeling of Paris at the end of the nineteenth century and beginning yep. of the twentieth. Yep. The costumes. It looks really wonderful. Um, and I um, enjoyed the way in which it combined the love story and the and the learning about the discovery of the science. Mm. You being science teacher yes. of note, please tell me a little bit more of what you thought about that side of it. Well, I mean, they're trying to, to, to play two sides at once, aren't they? And, and so what are they doing? You can't make a film about the science of discovering radioactivity, because mm -hmm. that's going to be an extraordinarily dull film. The science might be interesting, but it's, it's, it's not cinematic, is it? We're looking at um, atoms decaying. It's not something you can really depict on film very, very well. It's about the personalities, and I think in particular, uh, Marie Curie, and I think we're not going to spoil the territories here, yeah. to say that she she's possibly the most accomplished scientist of the 20th century. Only person, I mean there's one wonderful line, this is, uh, remember it's Rosamund Pike, who, yes. is, who is absolutely perfect in this role, oh, fantastic. glorious, and at one point she, she receives a telegram, and her daughter says, what, what's it about mother? And she replies, in, I, I can't, in a, possibly reproduce the withering tone which is oh they've awarded me the nobel prize again <laughs> and and just the, the way that she tosses away the again yes the only person in history to have received the nobel prize for two different disciplines yes, two different disciplines. And, and she just you know she yeah. tosses it off with such utter contempt yes it's absolutely brilliant <laughs> so so on the one hand yeah that what they're doing is they're depicting an incredible scientist mm -hmm. they're also going to some detail about the science she discovered, yeah, um, and and the science it was it was um, accurately portrayed. It was you know, obviously not shockingly deep, no, but but what they said was scientifically correct with one one very slight Kiwi inaccuracy. Okay, she's giving a lecture, yes, and, it's, and, and obviously the time frames aren't absolutely correct, but she's talking about um, the nucleus of the atom, and it's probably within about six months of. New Zealand's finest physicist, oh. Ernest Rutherford, having actually discovered it okay. in London. Right. So I'm not convinced that she would actually be teaching okay. with that language that early on. But right. Other than that, the science was spot on. Yeah. The, the thing that I really appreciated in the telling of the story was that really got into the, the irony and tragedy of the fact that they've discovered this, of the two elements, yeah. um, radium and polonium, yeah. not aware to begin with, of the effects of their close contact oh, with the elements. So we have this 
um, beautiful and but sad, almost almost pathetic image of Marie cuddling up to sleep at night with a, a green glowing vial on her pillow. Yes. Um, and as, as the story develops, of course, they gradually begin to become aware of the effects on their own body. Um, so that, I thought that, that, that sense of tragedy and irony played out rather well. In fact, uh, just as a quick historical yes, aside, yes. it's worth noting that her papers to this day oh, yes. cannot be handled. That's right, they're, they're in a lead container. They are so utterly radioactive yeah. to this day that, that, that researchers can't actually handle her papers. Yeah. Yeah. So she had, they, they had no clue what they were handling yeah. at the time. And, and you mentioned Rosamund, Rosamund Pike as mm. Marie. Yeah. Uh, you said the French accent, even though she was Polish. Um, I, th I mean, it was, a, it was a really good performance. Oh, she was um, lovely. She shows this woman to be certainly intelligent, but also brave. Yeah. Quite direct. Yeah. An, an abrasive oh, yeah. way. Um, stubborn, even. Yeah. Uh, but um, in her own way, loving. Yes. To her partner Pierre, her yes. husband Pierre. She was she wasn't your one dimensional not at all scientist who's a complete geek with no personality. Yeah. She wasn't your one dimensional feisty woman who is such a, a tired trope these days. Yes, um, it's a combination of the story, the script, and the acting. You put the whole lot together, and you have this wonderfully rich performance. I thought she was fantastic, yeah. and I think it helps that Pierre. Um, I'm going to get this right. Is Sam Riley. Sam Riley. Yeah. Oh, he, there's some there's some of the quality of his voice. They just delighted me. Yeah, was, yeah they, they, they two sparked off each other really, really they well. They did. Really they nicely. They did indeed, yeah. But again, a couple of historical inaccuracies. Okay. Um, we, we, we have the, the film presents Pierre going to Stockholm mm -hmm. to receive the Nobel Prize. Yes. Um, he didn't want to go. It's in the end, it was awarded to the pair of them. Again, partly on his insistence, yeah. but it was awarded to the pair of them. And they actually both went to receive it. But that didn't quite fit the narrative of the film, okay. to be fair. So they did play a little bit fast and loose with that. Now, there's one other particular aspect of the way this film is told um, that makes it um, perhaps challenge you when you're watching it. Because it's not just a story of Marie and Pierre set at the end of the 19th and the early 20th century. As the film goes on, you are presented with a series of little vignettes casting forward... Mm -hmm to show the application of these elements and how they were used. And we have, we have little scenes from on board the Enola Gay, yeah. um, on the ground at Hiroshima, with a cancer patient about to receive radiotherapy. We're on a bomb testing site, it's in Arizona or somewhere. We're at Chernobyl in 1986. Um, and I, watching those, a brief, I thought, not visually nicely put together, yeah. it crossed my mind, are you, is this being too obvious, or is yes, it, it? Yes, it was. Or are we at a time in, in history where many, many people don't really know who Madame Curie was, and yeah. actually they need to be told exactly what what she was responsible for? Well, I think what what you say makes perfect sense, and and it's I'm glad you mentioned the fact that it's from a graphic novel originally. Yes, because I reckon that that would probably have worked and awful lot better i think that's may well be right i think that that that, that i don't think that the that the director now what was her name it was mariana satrapi that's the one yeah i i think that's the one weakness of the film really is that i don't think she transitioned between yeah. the the historical the or well, the biographical stuff and then the the throw forwards to the the historical fallout from it I didn't like the transition. I felt that, except there was, there was one case where someone went run, run, running down a corridor 
and then turns the door and he's, and he's in Chernobyl. Yes. That was actually kind of done kind of interestingly, yeah. but otherwise it just felt a little bit on the nose. It, yes, it, took the it, it turns the film into something else. Yes. It turns the film into, it changes the film from a strictly historical view of this couple, this person, woman and her husband, yeah. and it turns it into a bit of an essay, if you like, yeah. into the effects of radioactivity. And at the end, um, it's brought together in almost a fantastical sort of sequence which seems to combine Curie with the characters from these vignettes mm. um, to turn it into a, I don't know, a, a um, something that operates beyond just simple narrative. Yeah. So that may not, that's I'm looking at you, I'm, yeah. I'm saying that's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. No. It, it, it probably did work better in a graphic novel. Yeah. Overall, I didn't mind it so much, but it, it, it causes you to think twice about what you're watching and, and the sort of story you're watching. Yes, I mean, it, it, you're right that, oh yeah, she discovered this thing about um, two new elements. Yes. Wow, isn't that clever? And unless they point it out, not, if you haven't got the sort of the physics geek background that I do have, you might not possibly have drawn the same straight line right. from Curie's work to, as you say, um, the atomic bombs that fell on um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, you might not have made that connection. No. I mean, to be fair, it's a much easier leap to go from Rutherford to those. Probably. But um, it did it did contextualise it a little bit. Because how else would you do it? Says, Gosh, Pierre, I wonder if this will ever come to anything. Yeah, I know. So, but, yes. So It would have been a bit clumsy, wouldn't it? And, and it... It just gives it just gives the weight and the heft to what they she discovered. Yes. So I, in that sense, I think it. I didn't mind it. Right. It, it, maybe it was a little clumsy, or not clumsy, but yeah. maybe a little bit obvious point. But um, yeah, on balance, I think this was a really good film dealing with a very serious subject, a famous person who some of us will know a little bit about, probably, yeah. but not a lot. And I think it was well worth um, telling the story. And uh, it's not a light entertainment by any means, but it, if you're looking for something a bit meaty, I'd really recommend it. It's absolutely entertainment. And, and just as, as an aside, yes. you know, I, 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 I was eight years a high school science and physics teacher. And, and for the longest time, I would always um, hear that the girls do biology, it's physics right. is a boys subject. Yes. And, and, and Marie Curie was one of the people I would always hold up as being an example of, of why the only other reason the blokes ever said that is because they couldn't handle the competition. Because mm. she was, from what we can tell, she, I mean, she even pointed out to Pierre at one point that, that she was the brains of the outfit. And, and the only reason she was ever even allowed into the lab, you know, because, you know, obviously, lady, you know, yeah. they, they get hysterical, don't they? <laughs> uh, and the only reason she was allowed into the lab was because was her fella fetched her in. Right, yeah. Uh, but the reality is, even though he was obviously no slouch in the physics department himself, she was the brains of the outfit. One last question to you before we leave, leave this topic. Go on, because you can know I'm passionate about this. If, you're if you were still a high school science teacher, yeah, yeah. would you take your class to this film? Um, I, you know, I think I would. I think I would. Because it, 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 it does that wonderful thing of actually humanising... Mm. Um, the, the, the science saying, you know, real people do this. These are actual people. In fact, her grandchildren still alive. Yeah. Um, the the children who are depicted in the film um, were alive recently. I think uh, the younger daughter Eve only died in two thousand and seven. 
Okay. So, so these are real people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you too could do this. Yeah. And that's, so yeah, absolutely, I think I would. Good stuff. All right, now from one style of film. Oh, how, how, far, how far away from that can we get, Simon? How... Well, pretty far. <laughs> Although, geographically, we're not going so far. We're going from France um, across the North Sea and heading west and, and it, it, skipping along to Iceland. Oh, yes. But, um, but culturally <laughs> and entertainment-wise, we're an eon apart. Um, this is, uh, I suppose, if, if, in these tough times, if you are looking for a comedic diversion. And who isn't, quite frankly, uh, yes. these days, yeah. um, Maybe you might consider a, a, a film uh, which I just referred to as Eurovision, but you had the much longer and proper title of it a, a moment or two ago. Uh, uh, yes. The, the Rise of uh, Fire Saga. Euro I'm, I'm doing this from IMDb. <laughs> right. Go on then. Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. Fire Saga. So, uh, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Uh, Ferrell, Ferrell, Ferrell. It sounds like feral if you said. Well, I don't think there's a reason for that. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, let me start by saying, just last time we were talking, you, yeah, sir, yeah, yeah. talked about another actor called a British guy called Steve Coogan. And you wouldn't think that these two guys would have that much in common. However, I know where you're going with this. Well, and you, I remember your comment was, you know, if you, there are some actors or performers that if you're into them, you're into them. And if you're not, you're not. Because yeah, yeah. they present themselves in pretty much the same sort of way and either you get it or you don't. Um, and I think that kind of might apply to Will as well as it did to Steve, because- Possibly, yes. Um, I think Will Ferrell is, is pretty much plays the same kind of character in most of his films. He, he, he lacks dimensions. Yeah. So the, shall I just pass over to you briefly for the very briefest of um, synopses of what this is all about? Right. So you've got Will, Will, Will Ferrell, Ferrell. Um, as, as Lars Eriksson. Yes. And you've got Rachel McAdams as Sigrid Eriksdottir. Uh, in, in finest Icelandic fashion, growing up in, in Husavik, in the uh, the northern coast of Iceland. Yes. And as is the nature of, of Icelandic surnames or patronymics, they may or may not be brother and sister, it's unclear. Um, and and, and his, his father completely despairs of him because he's 30 odd years old, still lives at home as a parking warden. But they, they, they have this band going called Fire Saga, whose ambition, among above all else, is to enter and obviously win the Eurovision Song Contest. Mm. Um, and, and, and obviously, you know, you can kind of guess pretty much where it's headed from there. Yes. I mean, there are some absolutely bizarre plot contrivances involving massive explosions <laughs> and elves. <laughs> yes. um, and, and, uh, possibly going too far. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they end up um, going, first of all, to Reykjavik, which, which, to be absolutely honest, is partly why what got me hooked in the film. Yeah, I looked it's at like the, that is Reykjavik we're looking at. Yeah. Well, I looked at that. Yeah, I was I was there in December. Oh, okay, right. I went, oh yeah, I want to go back so much. Oh look, oh look, there's yeah, there's Hulgrim's Kirk here. There's there's Lagermanger. It was excellent. So you know, even right there, I was I was loving. I was I was hooked at that point. Plus, Will Ferrell dials it back. He doesn't go full Ferrell, which is <laughs> which okay. is a mercy. I think we well, agree with that. Okay, all right. So. Um, as you say, so uh, Rachel McAdams, who plays Sigrid, um, they've written the song, they want to enter it. It doesn't look as if they're going to be successful because there's another Icelandic singer who's um, uh, played by Demi Lovato. Who we who, didn't recognise. Yeah, uh, who 
um, is a shoo to, to represent Iceland, Iceland but as you said, a mysterious explosion turns the, 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 the direction of the story and allows Lars and Sigrid to represent um, Iceland. Yes. We, so we go to the, to the finals and we meet, it has to be said, um, a, a huge range of former um, Eurovision singers oh, yeah, who they brought, they brought into this film. There's a lot of music, there's a lot of um, dancing, there are uh, former winners, I mentioned Demi Lovato, there's other celebrities who pop up like Graham Norton and others. Yeah. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of fun, there's a lot of um, movement, the plot goes all over the place, there's action and romance, song, uh, particularly well choreographed and I have to say enjoyable number called the sing-along which was at a oh, yes. party before the final yes, yes, where yes. all the singers join in and that that was a nice piece of um, uh, light throwaway entertainment I yes, quite enjoyed that it was very silly it was silly but fun um, but there's a book coming I can well, tell you First, I think well, it was too long for me. It's two hours. Yeah, I thought that was way too long. I've heard a few people comment it's a good half hour too long. Yeah, but I didn't. I don't agree. I think it kept it going. Oh, okay. Uh, the biggest thing for me is Will. Yeah. And, and I know you said he he dialed it back for you. Um, I don't. Well, I just don't find him that compelling or right. or a good enough actor to pull off what I think he's trying to do. Oh, okay. That's so, fair. So yeah. This is what I think he's trying to do. I think he's trying to portray, and I think he does it in most of his films, I think, this sort of naive, optimistic, um, uh, almost childish and goofy guy who has got within him a sense of what's right and wrong in the world, so but is a bit nerdy, but struggles to get it out. In other words, he thinks he's still making Elf. Maybe, maybe. Uh, and that's appropriate, given what's the Elf's role in this Indeed, film. Indeed, yeah, he was also about Well, that, I just yeah. think... And, and maybe there's a little charm in that. Yeah. But I don't think he, for me, he yeah. doesn't. It has the, the acting chops to pull it off. Right. I, I was I was thinking about what he's trying to do, and it made me think of um, perhaps um, Peter Sellers in a, one of his well-known movies called Being There. Right. Where he okay. plays a character called Chauncey Gardner, who mm -hmm. is a simple person, but somehow delivers lines which everyone else thinks are very yeah. wise. Yeah. And and maybe. What Will, Will is trying, Will Ferrell is, Ferrell is trying to do here is kind of tap into that in some way, but uh, it doesn't work for me. Well, that's a shame. But <laughs> well, how about other aspects of it? So you okay, got, go on, tell so me. you got, for example, um, I've lost it now. Uh, here we go. Um, Alexander Lentov, the Russian, oh, played by so, Dan Stevens. Yes, quite spectacularly. Ah, oh, he, he tries, you know, he's trying to seduce Rachel McAdams. Is, yeah, oh, you come with me. We have crazy, sexy time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a long time since I saw such a gratuitously over-the-top performance, and it was fun. It was fun. So people like him, do they not go anywhere towards... Yes, no, no, I know. I, I, I want to say that I, in, there are parts of this film I did enjoy. Good, good. And I'm not, I'm not completely panning it, but for right. maybe every bit that I enjoyed, there was another two bits that I cringed at a little bit. Oh, okay, right. So, but um, certainly the music is fun. I understand that both... The two main actors did a lot of singing. Yes. Uh, I think Rachel McCannon's voice was supplemented to a certain extent by another singer. But yeah. nevertheless, um, you, you can tell that there's, a, there's, some, there's something of themselves in it. Oh, very much, and, yeah. And that adds some authenticity yeah. to it. And she's, she's not usually a comedic actress, is she? No, she was in with Will Ferrell in another yeah. film called Sherlock Holmes spoof a year or two. Oh, yeah, oh, Holmes or Watson. And she was, was in that Oh, one. that was execrable. That was. But... Oh. Um, but I mean, she—I think she does well in her role. Yes. Uh, 
and there are some, there are some definite funny scenes in it. I don't, I don't want to completely pan it, but well, there's the el anything that involves the elves. <laughs> It makes the film for me. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, and we've got Pierce Brosnan there as his father. and uh, Completely out of place. Anyway, anyway. Gloriously out of place. Um, uh, but why do you like Will Ferrell? I, well, no, it's not that I like Will Ferrell so much. It's not, I, I, I don't take against him to the extent oh, that you okay, do. Okay. I'm okay with him. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to Ferrell agnostic. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not as, as, as decidedly anti as you. But I, I think... If he turns in a decent performance, which, as we've said, is is when he's not going full feral, right. then I can enjoy him. I, I, I have to be honest and say, watching this film, I still had the aftertaste of this, his Holmes and Watson which was, role. Was which was an sort of abomination. Oh, it was terrible. It was one of the worst anyway, things I've seen. Anyway, um, so that may have coloured my, my view of this film. It's yes, not, I can it's see not to be dismissed completely. I'm not going to say that. No. But I'm not going to rate it as highly as perhaps you did. No, well, I... I <laughs> You know, I, I watched this with, with, with Debbie, our intrepid guest reviewer, and the pair of us just laughed all the way through. Oh, well, that's good. That's and, good. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, she's American, so she's not got any of the history of Eurovision. Yeah. You you obviously know a bit more than yeah. America would. I grew up with this. Yes. This is, you know, be, being English, I actually remember watching ABBA performing yeah, Waterloo. Yeah. It was one of my very, very earliest memories. Yeah. And actually, one of the really nice scenes in this film is at the very beginning when we, we are talking. It is explained to us why it is that young Lars yeah. fell in love with Eurovision. It's because as a little lad in the in the family yeah. lounge around the TV, oh, yeah. he saw Abba. And incidentally, it did strike me. I I hadn't realised just how utterly static a performance um, Agneta and Anna Fried had done for Waterloo. Yeah. This, the, the, you, these days, everything is so utterly yeah. over, magnificently camped. The very standard. <laughs> it's quite surprising how, how utterly rigid they were. Yeah. So, yeah. And to be fair, it, this film does capture the the joyous ridiculousness of Eurovision. Joyous with, ridiculousness with, with the costumes and the the, the, the songs and the. I mean, it, it is mean, for that point of view. Let's, let's face it. Lion of Love could easily <laughs> be a, a, a successful Eurovision contestant, yeah, couldn't yeah, it? Really. This great big world before me But it's all for someone else I've tried and tried again To let you know just where my heart is To tell the truth and not pretend All I needed Was to get away
to be seen and to be heard. And Anyway, I think we need to move on from that because I, I don't think we're going to see eye to eye. But, um, but we'll stick with music to a certain extent still. Well, I think, I think absolutely, not just um, to a certain extent. Yes. We're going full music. Full right? music. Um, we've talked about there not being a lot of international live uh, acts coming our way at all, but there are, uh, there's new music being released. There is. Um, a few weeks back it was Bob Dylan and then more recently we've had Taylor Swift. Yeah. Now this is called Folklore, this album, Steve. Um, apparently it's been recorded during lockdown. Yep. Um, I should say I have not been, as perhaps you will have gathered, a big modern pop fan. No. And I haven't listened to a lot of Taylor Swift. No, but she's, but, she's inescapable. Yes. And I've listened to this, most of it, um, shortly before this rec recording. So your, your recollections are fresh. Yeah. And I have to say I've quite liked it. Did you know? I would say more than quite liked it, I liked it. We, we have a Swifty in the house. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so tell me why you like Taylor Swift. Um, I liked... Uh, I liked the, what I took to be... Um, it sounded like a mature album. It yeah. sounded like an album from someone who's lived a bit of life and has got uh, some perspective to reflect on what she's been through herself and what she sees around her. Um, I enjoyed the lyrics. There's, it's a mixture of um, some personal relationship type stories, but also a bit of social observation of what she's seeing around her. Um, the sound is not out and out pop. No, not at all. all. No, it's not, this isn't a dance album. Um, I thought that the, the, the uh, it was a little slower, still melodic. Um, not a soul album, but with a soulful approach to it. I thought a reflective, hmm, okay, reflective feel to it. So I, I, I'm looking forward actually to going back and listening to some of the songs again and, and really getting my head even further around the lyrics. Um, there were some nicest, nice turns of phrase there that I enjoyed and um, I, I mean I, I could, this would be an album where I'd sit very comfortably in my, in my collection at home. Right. I would say that. Now here's the thing. Yes. Here's where I'm going to take issue with this. Right? Okay. And this, this is something I keep encountering anytime I see a review of a Taylor Swift album okay. lately. You talk a lot about the lyrics, yeah. um, relatively little about the actual music. Okay. And, and a lot of fuss has been made, in particular the song Betty. Mm -hmm. uh, people are saying, is, is she coming out as being bisexual in this song? Um, okay. Lyrics are getting analysed forensically. And, and my big objection to this is, it's music. And, and I want to focus on the music of it. Um, I mean, people have tried to talk about this being the big concept album, and and it's her her coming of age album, where it might be. And, and my first thought when, when I've been reading that kind of review is, if you want to talk about an album in those terms, you're always going to be comparing it to Lemonade mm. by Beyonce, and and it pales. But then, I mean, to be fair, many things pale okay. next to, to Lemonade. So. I'm looking at it on, on a musical point of view, and the big thing I kept thinking every time I listened to, especially the first several tracks, yeah. is I keep waiting for them to start. Mm -hmm. There's a feeling there's something growing. Any second now, uh, the beat's going to drop. Any second now, it's going to kick in. The, so much of it feels like intros to songs that never really quite boom. Okay, I think there's something to that. I think, um, because I don't have the backstory of, of, of time with this artist, yeah. I 
think reasonably early on got my head around the fact that this was going to be a slow album. Oh, very much so, yeah. So it's, it's so um, after two or three songs, I thought, oh, what? Because I was also wondering, is the beat going to kick in? And no, it's not. <laughs> so yeah. um, after a while, I thought, oh, this is what we're going to. This, this is where we're going to be right, for most yeah. of this album. Well, once um, you resign yourself, once you that. accept that, you can then move yeah, on. But I, I think that's a fair point. Um, I don't think I necessarily saw it as a big concept album, but I, I think, um, I actually, Betty was the song I listened to the last one, which right, I, yeah. I enjoyed the music of Betty quite well. Yeah. Some harmonica, and it's slightly more upbeat in its, it is, uh, yeah, in its tempo. Um, I, it crossed my mind. I mean, what can a woman write a song where, as in, this is a song about two teenagers, or she's going back to the time when she was a teenager and she'd fallen in love with another girl? Does that mean she's coming out? That Taylor Swift is coming out as, as gay? I don't think no, it does at all. This is the entire problem. Is, is, is she can't write a song without it being taken to pieces, oh, dissected minutely. Yeah. You can't put that on her, though. No, no. What you, what, <laughs> what you do put onto is, is, as you say, it's got a bit of harmonica in it. Yeah. It sounds a bit like going back to... I mean, remember, she was originally a country music Right, yeah, Stop. yeah, yeah, true. You know, but it has a bit of country feel to it, you're right. She, she, her family got rooted on her behalf from Pennsylvania to um, to Nashville mm. because she was going to be a big country music uh, thing. She was going to be like Alt Pops, uh, Alt Country's uh, saviour. I mean, she's reinvented herself, obviously, a million and one times since then. Yes. Uh, most recently as, as one of the biggest stadium performers going. And this song clearly is not going to fill a single stadium. Well, this album may not fill me. No, sorry, that's what I meant, that's yeah. I meant to say. Sorry, this yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah, this album needs to be played um, maybe the Tuning Fork. Yeah. Some smoking club yeah. somewhere. Yeah. It's that album. Yeah. And that's that would be the ideal venue. These are not stadium-filling songs. No. But then she's not going to be filling any stadiums anytime no. soon, is she? I, I, so. I would say that because of the way she, the, the music she's decided to use to tell the stories of these songs, that she's perhaps inviting you to focus more on the lyrics than she might otherwise have done in previous work. Oh, okay. That's I fine. mean, maybe she's saying, I'm not going to hit you over the head with a, 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 a roaring dance track here no. or a thumping drum beat. Yeah. I am going to just gradually draw you in and you're going to listen to the story I'm going to tell you and it might take you two or three listens to really yeah. get your head around it. And that's okay. Oh, I, I mean, as, as an album, you can, you can do that, I guess. You don't have to be... There's not going to be a song we're going to hear on the radio here a lot, probably. No, there's no shake it off in here, is there? Mm. So, no. um, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So, I, I, you know, as a relative newcomer to this artist who's been around a long time that everyone knows about, um, I still could say I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the um, approach of it. And I think I've got, it requires some more listening. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'd give, it a bit, I'd give it a tick. It's not bad. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 a few thoughts that came to mind when I was listening. Like, there's one song, August. Which appropriately is the eighth track on the album. Somebody put some thought into that. <laughs> yes. But every time I've heard it, I've heard it several times now, I keep wanting it to be torn by Natalie and Bruglia. Ah. Listen, listen again. Um, next time you have it playing, and you'll hear, you'll hear, I hope you'll hear what I mean. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's nice. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very, very nice. It's not going to set the world aflame. No. And like I say, it's certainly not going to fill any stadiums. No. But um, it's. This this is the kind of record that only somebody of her accomplishments could have made. Um, it's a very simple record. It's not got the big bass beats no, and everything. No. And and I would suggest that it's probably harder to make um, a simple record well than it is to make a big record. 
because a big record you just throw all the production yeah, out yeah, it yeah, fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is this is a very, very empty, very sparse sound compared to a lot of the pop stuff. Okay. And and if you take all the production out, you have to replace it with content. Yeah. And I'd suggest that she's got the content to replace it. I think it. she does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think she might be going somewhere this girl, you know. Maybe. Do you think? I think we might. I think we'll, we might have picked we'll, up. We'll pay attention to her next album as well. I think we might have picked out a rising star here, Simon. Just, just, just. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Betty, I won't make assumptions about why you switched your homeroom, but I think it's because of me. Time I was riding on my skateboard when I passed your house. It's like I couldn't breathe. You heard the rumors from Ines. You can't believe a word she says most times, but this time it was true. The worst thing that I ever did was what I did to you. If I just showed up at your party, would you have me? Would you want me? Would you tell me to go fuck myself or lead me to the garden? In the garden, would you trust me if I told you it was just a summer thing? I'm only 17, I don't know anything, but I know I miss you. Okay, so from Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> Moving as swiftly onwards as is humanly possible. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about a, and a, a, w this crave is about what we happen to come across and what we want to. In it it is ultimately deeply self-indulgent. It is. It doesn't thing. have to be what's new, absolutely fresh and new. No. And what's happened, I think, with um, and maybe I'm not the only one in this position where you've had a bit of time in the last few months to maybe have a little search through maybe it's Netflix or Lighthouse oh, or yeah. whatever it might be, Why Neon, not? and pick out something that you you thought you might watch a year or two back and, and, and have a try it on. Yeah. Size. And that's what I've done in the last few days with, and I haven't finished it yet, but this is the third series of the True Detective oh, right, yeah. uh, program. I think you, you and I both saw the first one with that, McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. And that was quite superb it in was. places. Yeah, it was certainly impactful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So this third uh, series, um, I'm only halfway through, but it has uh, the acclaimed Oscar-winning actor Mahershala Ali. He's brilliant. He's playing the lead, lead detective, Wayne Hayes, and his partner is Stephen Dorff. Mm -hmm. um, and the structure is, I think, similar where we, we are playing the story out over several timelines. Right, right. The original crime where a, a couple of kids go missing. Yeah. Um, then 10 years later when the two detectives are having the case reviewed and they're being interviewed about right. it, which happened, if you remember, in the first series. Of, very, very much so, yeah. yes. And then this uh, telling, we go even further ahead in time mm -hmm. to when uh, Mahashala Ali, who plays the character called Wayne, is an old man. Oh, okay. And he's looking even further back. Um, I'm halfway through the story of, of the, the loss of these two young children. Um, it's set... It's set in Arkansas, okay, uh, around the Ozark area. Yeah, um, and which again, it, it, maybe not uh, Arkansas. It's certainly so the deep south is yeah, where the it, first one was. Set. Yes, yeah, and, and the accents sound broadly of yeah. that genre. Um, what I what I really wanted to mention was that we've got a black. The, the story is a black detective and a white detective um, handling the case, and and given 
Black Lives Matter, given what the world has seen about the way in which um, some American police deal with uh, black offenders or suspects, um, I thought there were some quite nuanced points made here. Mm -hmm. um, the two men, that um, th they themselves will joke a little bit about racism, but yeah. th they see each other as very much equals. In fact, I think um, Stephen Dorff's character recognises that his black friend who served in the Vietnam War and was a tracker has yeah. got some very, very good skills right, that he right, can't right. match. Yeah. Yeah. So he almost um, says, you go first, mate, you're going to get to the bottom of this before I will. Right. But there's a couple of scenes which really I thought were interesting. Um, they uh, take in a white, young white teenager mm -hmm. who they think may very well be involved in the disappearance of these young kids, and they try and put the heavy on him. Okay. They, they, they um, use some strong language and, and threats about what might, what might happen to him. Okay. And Wayne's character, the black man, mm -hmm. says, if you go inside, well, choose my words with some degree, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're going to be... I won't do it. You're going to be buggered in prison, yeah. literally. Yeah. And this young teenager is absolutely shocked, horrified at this. Yeah. And we see in the, at, at that time when it's happened, he's just distraught and he's, he's, um, he's, he's bursts into tears and he can't control his emotions. Then we see him 10 years later. Mm. That comment from that policeman st still resonates with him. Oh, yeah and has clearly, uh, mentally and emotionally, um, rocked him to his core. Oh dear, okay. And, and to the point where it's affected the way he's lived, lived his life ever since. Oh dear. And I just thought, to those cops, it might have been a bit of rough stuff to get to, you know, to yeah. unsettle him to try and get to the bottom of it. Um, but I thought it was quite a telling uh, but a story storytelling to say, you know, we, how many how many cop shows have we seen over our lifetimes with cops throughout these lines, and we don't never see what the effect of what they say yes. is. But yeah. actually, it can affect someone, especially if they're innocent. Uh, yeah. So that was really interesting. And there was another interesting scene, just very quickly, where the two men go to a, a black neighbourhood to talk to a suspect and are surrounded by the black community to protect the neighbour. Yeah. And how the black detective and the white detective. They have to deal with a conflict which involves a racial dimension as well. So right. uh, it was very, it's, it's well played out. With one thing I thought, I don't know what you thought, Steve, because you've got a bit of time living in the United States. I found with the first True Detective, yeah. and with this one, this, this is the southern draw, but I had to listen really, really hard sometimes to make out what they're saying. So, uh, I think one of the problems you get in general with with accent films yeah if you see it I, 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 I choice of phrase i know but, well, but, you, you but you get films where where almost like the the, the accent on is part of the culture that they're depicting which is in itself a character in yeah the film. yeah yeah um so going go back to the first one you, you've you've got matthew mcconaughey who uh, i believe is from the south originally so, yeah um so obviously it is is comfortable working that accent but then is able to slip deep into it and then you've got Woody Harrelson, who is not. He's yeah. somewhere northern, I can't remember where he's from. But you get the impression with someone like him, he's, he's working it. And sometimes I think that becomes a problem, is, is people who are trying to put on an accent, mm. no matter how good they are at it, yeah. they can often end up overdoing it. Whereas McConaughey, who is, who is doing it authentically, 
can still be much easier to follow. Okay, well, well in this case, I found uh, Mahashala Ali's uh, portrayal. I mean, he's a very, very good actor. Oh, is he? Just, really, yeah. uh, wonderful, but I, there were parts of his dialogue I, I just didn't get, uh, unfortunately. Um, well, well, I'm gonna test my theory now and find out where he's from. Because okay. um, you, were you just struggling to-, to Yeah, I was just struggling to, to, his enunciation was kind of, it wasn't clear enough for me to pick up everything he said. I got most of it, but it was, it, it bothered me enough that it just distracted a little bit from my yeah. enjoyment of what is a really well-written well written and well-conceived uh, crime yeah. drama. Well, when, when they are notionally um, speaking English, yeah. <laughs> and you find yourself having to concentrate to understand what they're saying yeah. in what you imagine is your own language, yeah. then that's a tough one, isn't it? It is. It's a shame. I mean, it, okay. I still no. think it's a, um, uh, uh, a very, it's a gripping and compelling drama, but... Um, uh, here he is, Mahashala Ali. Shall we just find out? It'll be interesting to yeah, know where yeah. he's from. Uh, where he's, oh, he's born in California. Oh, well, there you go then. So that, okay. Um, <clears throat> the, the diametric opposite of the deep town. Yes, yes. In so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But um, having said all that, if you have got some time and you want a really, uh, this isn't, again, like Radioactive, not light entertainment by no. any means. It's a serious crime drama. It's treated seriously. Um, it's the whodunit aspect is, you know, is, um, keeps you on the edge of your seat. Um, I'm halfway through it. I'm still not quite sure where we're going. Oh, okay. Um, it, that part of it is really, really good. Oh, fair enough then. I, I, I think you've convinced me because the first one I remember, um, it was really good until the very, very end when there was that weird sort of, what was it, like Lion King, Night King, something king, yeah, I can't remember. that's right. In yes. a maze. Yes, and, yes, that's and right. And he suddenly wanted to go all magical realist. Yeah. without really knowing how to do it. Yeah. And and I thought, I've, I've watched like eight episodes for this. <laughs> and and I, I thought, no, no. The, it, it's almost like someone like hadn't really figured out how to get to this mm, point. Mm. And it just suddenly got, right, time for the nonsense. Yeah. And just pile the nonsense in. And, yeah. and, and it, it kind of ruined it for me a little bit. This has got some really well thought out, nuanced, relationships going on oh, okay. um, the, the the parents of the missing kids are played by a guy called scoot mcnary who was very good and um and um uh meryl streep's daughter mamie gummer plays the, oh. the mother uh and also very very well and the relationship between the lead detective wayne and his wife uh it, it shows the disintegration of a marriage in a very uh, oh, not easy to watch way in many ways but um look there's a yeah a real adult drama so right. um I'm, I'm, I hesitate to ask you, is there much we can talk about about what's coming up? I've been hearing about all these big movies being delayed and everything, and gosh, there's not much we can throw out there, really. No, there isn't. I mean, um, as, as announcements are coming up, obviously, cravepodcast.com is the yes. place to go. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to our Twitter feed, and you'll see all the new announcements as they get posted. There's just not much coming up at the moment. There's, there's, there's um, a couple of festivals um, doing the rounds. Take a look at gravepodcasts.com for details, but there's, there's, there's just mu music in New Zealand. Yes. Let's be clear about this, has largely relied on overseas acts coming here for about 90% of our, um, our live music diet. And well, certainly, certainly in terms of big, big concerts. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You've got the little venues where, yeah. where people but, do But even play. those guys are struggling. Yeah. Even the little venues, mm. we're not seeing a whole lot. And so, unfortunately, no. Uh, for the foreseeable future, them, 
No, which is going on. I mean, I mean, Lauf, for example. Yes. Was meant to be here later this year. Right. And we've just heard that he's rescheduled for one year later. <laughs> I mean, he's easy for scheduling purposes. Just yeah. Back for a year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he's um, he's not coming back for a year. Okay. Okay. Um, because why would you? The thought, if you can even get in, you're gonna have to do two weeks of quarantine yeah, yeah. to do one show at the power station. It's just not. It's simply not efficient. No. So, so no, basically yeah. there is sadly uh, nothing to announce. Although I will mention one little thing. Oh, you Go might on. have seen this in the paper today. Yes. Going going back to one of the last concerts we saw. Yeah. Um, Elton John, who is still notionally scheduled for January of next year, although I don't see that coming. No. No. In fact, I, 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 my my money is on he's never coming back. Um, but still notionally, at least, we're still clinging to this. Yeah. This. This, this was the the the, the concert was cut short. In Auckland, yeah. um, not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and apparently, mm -hmm. partial refunds are being issued. Yes, saw that. Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon? Well, that well, if that's the case, first of all, it probably does mean he's not coming back because yeah. you know you're not giving the given the option of keeping saying I I only saw half a concert, I'm going to go go back and see the yeah. full one. That's an interesting thought. Uh, but that's um, yeah. yeah. We had this a big discussion about this at the time, mm. didn't we? About whether or not, even if you only saw half or maybe two thirds of a show, you saw a hell of a show, and, yes. and was that worthwhile? I, I mm. there's a they have a point, but he, he did a great what he did. He did really, really well. I, I, I would say that for sure. I think that that's beyond dispute. Yeah, yes, yeah. So especially under the circumstances. Yeah, but even just you know in absolute terms, yes, he he did a fantastic show. But as we pointed out, the um, no set lists are guaranteed, nothing's published, no promises are made. Mm. Um, and he did play for an hour and a half? Yeah, at least, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a decent number of the big hits, but apparently, and a lot of this has been covered by non-disclosure agreements. Right. But uh, word has trickled out to the press um, that apparently up to 40% of the ticket price is being refunded. Oh, okay. Uh, and and I, I think that the people who are pushing that, they're not impressing me. <laughs> well, I guess here's so you get a bit of money back. Is that going to make you feel any better, really? I mean, I, I mean, know. yeah, Elton doesn't need it. No, no, he doesn't need it. No, 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 no. no but you know, yeah, like you say, the, anyway, it feels mean spirited somehow. I'd go along with that, yeah. So, so. <laughs> anyway. On it, that note, we would still like to hear what you've got to say about what we've been talking about tonight. We would love to hear from you very much. So yeah. if you want to drop us a, an email, we're at podcast at cravepodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook. I can say Twitter is the place to catch up with uh, new announcements on anything that's coming out. Uh, we're at Crave Podcast. Excellent. So until we meet again, <laughs> I've never said that before, have I? Until we meet again, I'm Simon Mercer. I'm Steve McKay. That's what's been entertaining us this week. Excellent. Right. Now the bad news is I'm about 